okay? You haven't felt safe or welcome in other spaces. That, in a way, energizes to me to be able to think, okay, how can we ensure that we are creating and we are constantly looking to, to improve upon our welcoming nature and our safe space? That's Robert Stump, the conductor of the Black Tulip Chorale. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, and this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. Black Tulip Chorale describes itself as an all-identity choir. In an artistic world where people presenting as male are often sent over to one creative corner and people presenting as female are sent to a different one, Black Tulip Chorale aims to be a place where everyone is welcome and comfortable. The ensemble performs a show on November 16th that highlights the music of LGBTQ people. In this episode of Cut and Paste, we'll hear an in-studio interview with Robert Stump, the conductor. We'll also get a behind-the-scenes listen to the group in rehearsal and hear from three of its members about why the group is so important to them. But to get us started, I asked Robert Stump what makes Black Tulip Chorale different. So the chorale uh, is a LGBTQIA2 plus uh, ensemble for people of all genders, expressions, orientations, and identities. A major distinction would be uh, we don't put people in preconceived notions of where they should sing. If somebody who identifies as female comes through the door, a lot of choirs, oh, you have to be a soprano or an alto. You know, if someone who identifies as a male comes through the door, you have to be a tenor or bass. We don't do that. Uh, we've got a number of folks who cross uh, section lines as need be. Uh, it's really dependent upon where their voice sits, what's comfortable for them, and what's vocally healthy. There are um, people who identify as male singing in alto registers, occasionally flipping up to soprano, and there are people who identify as female occasionally swinging down, uh, you know, whacking away in some of the bass parts. And in our ensemble, we have uh, lesbian, gay, trans, uh, bisexual, uh, queer, uh, as well as a number of straight singers who come and participate in the ensemble. So it's really a reaffirmation of people and respect for people and their communities, but also in a way of, um, you know, fostering understanding and, and social awareness and, and in many ways social justice. Is this world of a cappella singing particularly gendered? It can be. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of times that there are. I think this is, um, I think we're really going to be able to help start a, you know, being a vanguard of a new, a new age of, of, you know, openness and welcoming and choral singing. I've gone to a couple of choral festivals where the criterion literally lists, you know, if you're female, you must sing soprano or alto. You are not allowed to sing tenor. There are some schools of thought thinking that, quote unquote, women singing in a low register isn't vocally healthy. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not going to get into a pedagogical argument with them. But if it's a difference between um, having a welcome space where people can actually sing, sing well, and be a part of a community, or you know, just having some archaic rule or or you know, declaration of policy, I, I'll always choose the former. Slamming the door in somebody's face out of some you know, old ancient preconceived notion isn't going to do anybody any good. It's just it's just not how we operate. So there's a a rich tradition of of gay men's choruses. Those organizations have been a gathering point for the queer community over the years in different ways. But in terms of membership in the actual performing, yeah. um, that is a very specific category, gay men's chorus. Yeah. So that's not as a, it's not an, an inclusive, an inclusive ensemble yeah. um, or format. I, I think that's a fair assessment um, as, as I think as much as, you know, gay men's courses across the country are trying to 
trying to break down that wall and be able to create those safe and welcoming places. Uh, I think you know you said the nomenclature itself can be a bit of a can be a bit of a uh, of a of an obstacle. Just also in a culture. I mean, you've had you know for uh, you know I'm I'm a cisgender white gay male. That in of itself, I have a certain I have a certain experiences. I have certain you know uh, life experiences that have helped make who I am. And that can be different from, you know, that's different from, you know, um, a trans person of color or someone who may be lesbian or bi or, um, you know, uh, queer questioning or, you know, uh, having a, a, you know, identifying as somebody who's genderqueer. I think a number of these ensembles have their own culture, have their own, you know, uh, in uh, gay men's courses. I've been an employee of a couple, you know. There's a culture there that serves their members, gives them a sense of belonging, gives them a sense of identity. But you know, I think as we can realize that one group's identity may not, may from the outside may not seem, uh, it may not seem like well I can belong there. Maybe maybe people don't feel that that's a place. I don't see myself there. I don't see people like me there. So I, I may not feel comfortable or safe there. Uh, one thing that we really tried to work hard on is making sure that um, regardless of who walks through the door, that they can see a future for themselves there. Choir member Grayson Coggins told me about his experience singing in a gay men's chorus and not feeling like he quite fit in. For me as a trans man, um, a pansexual trans man, when I was in Gateway Men's Chorus, I always kind of felt like I was invading the space. Um, I always felt like someone would find out I was trans and that they'd be, they would think I didn't belong or that I wasn't a gay man and would say I didn't belong. But in this space, I feel a lot more comfortable being open with who I am. I was definitely probably hurting my vocal cords and forcing my voice down lower so that people wouldn't hear um, like those little weird bits of my voice that don't sound inherently cis male. What have you heard from folks about not feeling safe or comfortable in other ensembles? I think in those circumstances, my job is to listen to them and let them know that they're heard and let them know that their, their, their thoughts and feelings are valid because it's no one's place to be able to invalidate somebody else's feelings or life experiences. I don't believe in talking down other organizations or other groups. Um, I think we provide something that other organizations can't, and I'm sure other organizations provide things that we don't. Um, so it's a case of okay, you haven't, you may, you haven't felt safe or welcome in other spaces. That, in a way, energizes to me to be able to think, okay, how can we ensure? How can the Black Tulip Corral ensure that we are creating? And we are constantly looking to to improve upon our welcoming nature and our safe space. So, um, you know, if somebody comes in sharing feelings like that, validate them. That's their that's their that's their life experience, uh, and embrace them. And uh, you know, do your best you can to to make them feel at home, uh, and to help them, just to let them know and share with them that this is their choir as much as anybody else's. Black Tulip Chorale rehearses at St. Paul Church of Christ in Tower Grove South. I visited there on a Sunday evening, and I love to sing in the shower or alone in the car, but uh, I've never had any training and I don't really know how to do it. But uh, 
as I watched the group work, it occurred to me that if I ever did get enough training to be able to hold my own in a choir, uh, this would be a great ensemble to learn with and get better. And, and I don't mean to take away from the talent or professionalism of the singers in the group. But as he sculpts the choir's performance, Robert gives a lot of instruction that these folks can take with them to other groups and other performances. And it feels like a very supportive environment, even when he's kind of <laughs> digging in and, and, and trying, to get, trying to get something fixed. Uh, so in this clip, you can hear Robert Stump going over some vowel sounds before moving forward. When you are sad, arms, when you are glad, okay? Make sure we change all the pronouns to uh, gender neutral pronouns, as the composer says in the front page. Here we go. Let you cry. Can I ask you stand as you're able, please? Can you give me a forte, a comfortable forte? Don't hurt yourselves. We never sing, we never sing loud, we sing big, all right? Three. Have a seat. Let's tune up to bottom of page three. Okay. That's a rehearsal with the performance still several weeks away. During a rehearsal break, I asked Black Tulip Crown members Lindsay Short and Dan Kelly what it feels like for them when they're up there and everything is really coming together. Uh, you get your hair stands up on your arms and your um, your head's ringing and uh, like all the lights are bright and it's just it's just incredible and you feel so much i feel so much love for everybody while it's going on and there's just moments where everybody is completely in sync and the room rings with this tone and you know you have to not start crying because <laughs> you have to keep working but it's uh it's amazing and it's something you know something we get to share with the audience you're listening to Cut and Paste. We'll be back after this one brief message. Welcome back to Cut and Paste. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, and we're talking about the Black Tulip Chorale. We'll talk about the concept behind the group's November concert in a few moments. But first, I asked member Grayson Coggins just if there's a particular song on the program that he's particularly looking forward to. I really love all the all the songs we're singing, but my favorite has to be Cornerstone. One of the lyrics is, the stone that the builders rejected became the cornerstone of a whole new world. And especially when I was in first in uh, Gateway Men's, when I felt rejected, that kind of empowered me to feel stronger. As it's as the song has come with me through all the choirs I've been in, it just keeps hitting that same like you're stronger, you're getting stronger, you're building this for yourself, and it it just means a lot more every single time I sing it. 
a rush. Um, it's like, I can't even describe it. It's, it's like you had your happiest day ever and then someone was like, hey, here's some free ice cream. It's incredible. Tell me about the, the show coming up in November. What's it called? It's called Our Song. Uh, it's 500 years, celebrating 500 years of LGBTQIA2 plus music. So ranging things from uh, the 16th century all the way up to the, uh, the 21st century. Tell me about the theme. What, what, got us, what gets a song onto the list here? That was a, actually a, a, a theme that I had been working on for a previous group I had, was, was conducting. Uh, and I just took it along with me and thinking, in a way, working with a group like this widens the, widens the, the amount of stuff you can do. Um, we wanted to make sure that there were, um, you know, a lot of the music published that they, you know, quote-unquote gay composers are cisgender white men. Um, you know, obviously some of those pieces like Leonard Bernstein, uh, um, Samuel Barber, Peter Tchaikovsky are there. But we also wanted to make sure that we had representation from various identities, orientations, expressions, uh, as well as uh, ethnic, uh, ethnic uh, backgrounds. Um, we have pieces from five continents in five languages. Um, you know, some of them are, some of them are pop, some of them are some, you know, some of them, a couple of them are arias. One that I think is hilarious is called um, the Passive Aggressive Guide to Mother Goose. A composer in, uh, in Chicago. That's a fairly recent piece. Yeah, just the past few years. Uh, and uh, uh, Caitlin Van Buren, one of our one of our uh, altos, uh, she's going to be singing two of the pieces. From one of them is called "Little Miss Muffet Is a Hipster." Um, so you can uh, just by the title, you can tell that uh, there. You know, um, Ross has taken uh, five of those pieces and uh, you know kind of messed them around with a bit. Are these all composers who identified as LGBTQ going back five hundred years? 500 years ago, you're not 400 years, 300 years, 200 years. You're not going to have somebody who's going to stand up and, you know, be marching down the pride. You know, well, and at least not, not with the language we use now. Yeah, but there is, there, there is specific documentable evidence for everyone that we've included. One piece that was not written by, by an LGBT composer was Somewhere Over the Rainbow, but it has become such uh, an iconic song in our, mm. in our community. Uh, we're closing the concert with it. Yeah, you know, there's some pop and lighter stuff. Um, Melissa Etheridge's "Come to Come to My Window," one of our great solos. Lindsay Short's gonna be singing that. You don't know how far I'd go to ease this precious ache. You don't know how much I give or how much I can take just to reach you, just to reach you. Other choirs with this kind of membership, uh, all totally inclusive. Well, I think there are. Um, I think there are a large. Uh, I'm just going to use the word "gay" as, as uh, a large uh, gay mixed chorus in uh, the Twin Cities called One Voice. 
Mixed num- meaning not? Mixed meaning soprano, alto, tenor, bass. Gateway Men's Chorus is a tenor, baritone, bass chorus. Um, in the world of choral music, we're getting away from calling them women's choirs and men's choirs. We're getting to the point of calling them uh, treble choirs and tenor bass choirs or lower voice choirs or any number of different monikers. I know that's a bit, maybe a bit clunky, but it's a conversation within the choral conducting world about how we're going to name things, how we're going to refer to things to be more inclusive. And in a way, it's almost more accurate. I've had some conversation with colleagues that, that you know, teach high school. Have, I'm having a problem with my women's choir. All right? I have this, you know, I have this, I have this guy with an, untra- of an unchanged voice. You know, what do I do with him? You know, and somebody said, well, I'll just stick him in your women's choir. And I was like, hold on. Maybe you want to take a look not calling that a women's choir because, you know, um, somebody's identity is core to who they are. And if you've got a young, a young guy who, who gets put in the women's chorus, are they going to face bullying? Are they going to face harassment from the men in the choir? I did some coaching with a, with a high school choir last year. Uh, there was a trans, uh, trans girl who sang bass. You know, and it was the men's choir. She had to leave with it. You could just tell by the look on her face. She was just, you know, she was just in agony um, because that's not who she is. So, about you know, performing with the well, men's choir, being yeah, being being placed in that group with the attire, uh, with the name of that group. You know, and a couple of minor changes. What real damage are you going to do making a couple of minor changes? Changes the name of an ensemble from women's choir to treble choir. Um, so this is a broader conversation happening in the choral community. Yeah, it's it's happening a lot in music education circles. As well. I mean, recently, I mean, it's been in the past five years. It's just it's you know just mushroomed, you know. And it's in some ways it's, it's a bit of a contentious issue with some with some with some people. And unfortunately, a lot of times students, especially students in these communities, get caught in the middle, and then you know they become unserved. They become marginalized. Uh, and it, in some ways, can just you know become a downward spiral. Having a little bit of care and a little bit of foresight can solve a lot of the problems we've got. Just how we name our groups can be one of them. That was Robert Stump. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, and this has been Cut and Paste, produced with help from our executive editor, Shula Newman. You can find Cut and Paste at stlpublicradio.org or wherever you get your podcasts.